Hi there, welcome to episode 83 of Fear of a Black Planet. <coughs> Don't know what I'm going to talk about today, I have no, I've gotten loads of shit in my head, but I hadn't really sat down and prepared anything specific to rant or ramble about. Part of me wants to talk about this Brexit, People's Vote march that happened in in London this weekend, which I obviously avoided like the plague. Um, I mean, it's slightly annoying. I'm a Brexiter, obviously, a lever. Um, to have a whole load of people marching for what I consider it to be the establishment. But it's funny, the, 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 the language of rebellion, the language of protest has been now become the most effective propaganda tool so that people like Alistair Campbell and Sadiq Khan and Tony Blair and John Major and all these very wealthy celebrities can paint themselves as sort of civil rights leaders or something like that and that this was a march for liberation and uh, that the, the move for Brexit is some kind of establishment, old grey-haired, suited Tory coup or something. And nothing could be further from the truth. Um, so it's baffling to me how many people fall for it. And apparently there were 670,000 people marching through London with flags and uh, silly hats. Now... Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that I'm not listening as a Leave voter. I think that if 600-odd thousand people turn up in the in the centre of London to pro protest about something, they've got something to say and should be listened to, just like I think that 17.4 million people voting one way should also be listened to. But this idea, what really annoys me, this idea that it's a people's vote, this is the propaganda trick, isn't it? If you paint yourself as being of the people, then what you're saying is that anyone who opposes you is not as some kind of fascist who wants to impose from the top down. Um, but in reality, most people's movements don't need to call themselves a people's movement. It kind of speaks for itself. The, the protesters at Peterloo did not say, we're going to have a, a, a people's march. They just marched, you know. It's... Um, <clears throat> you know, you don't need to... Uh, you don't need to say these kind of vague virtue signaling. You don't need to brand yourself if your views and your your um, cause is, is inherently virtuous. So that's my that's my take on that. But at the same time, I actually do recognise that this is now at an impasse, and that if we don't have something sorted that kind of gives something to, to both sides, then we're in deep trouble. And it's the same sort of thing that's happened in America. And I think a lot of people must be feeling this, that no, when, at what point did, it, did every single issue become Palestine v. Israel? You know, where it's just this cycle that we're never going to escape. Um, this, is, this is a problem, you know. There, I think that... If the EU and the government were willing to just find some form of regulation on immigration that wasn't a complete reversal of free movement as such, but was, you know, that maybe gave preference to people from Europe to, 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 have, to have a kind of, e, a kind of ease of getting a visa, 
Um, and to, if we can just have that discussion and find some negotiation on that discussion, most people would probably be willing to take a compromise on other issues on whatever side. But it seems that the EU, this is the bit that irritates me, is that, and this is, this is why it's so toxic, the way that they call it, the people's vote, because people like Juncker and all these uh, guys in the European Central Bank and the European Commission, they're not behaving in any way like they like the people. Look at the way they've treated the economy in Greece or the way that they've imposed undemocratic rule on Italy or the way that they completely discarded the people marching for Catalan independence and threw them under the bus or threw them under the jackboot, more likely. So it, I believe that it's exactly this kind of um, nonsense... Uh, delusional doublespeak that got us into this position that certainly I know that my protest vote in the, in the uh, Brexit referendum was a rejection of exactly this kind of um, reversal of the truth, the kind of Orwellian has become a cliche, but it's specifically Orwellian in the way that he said, what's the quote? You all know the quote, but I'm going to get it anyway. Um, from 1984 but it's the most famous one but it's the definition of propaganda really um, yeah war is peace freedom is slavery ignorance is strength so in in that sense you know a, a re another second referendum would be ultimately a reversal of a democratic vote but we're caught. But it's but there. But pe but all these people who are actually quite establishment, and I'm thinking of people like David Lammy, who's like who who, who likes to think of himself as Martin Luther King, but actually, it's kind of uh, risk-free virtue signaling politics. And actually, what that does, I mean, the irony of this kind of virtue signaling is it actually protects the status quo because there's no risk to it. There's no. There's no. Nobody's losing out. And that's the great thing. It's it's the ultimate propaganda trick. There's another quote from from Orwell here. It's not the one about telling. It's not the one about universal deceit. In times of universal deceit. It's, it's become, this is the fucking internet. The internet has become this just, like it used to be that you could, you could go on and find what you wanted, but now it's just the whole, it's like a, a jungle of marketing nonsense. So 10 things I learned from 10, 10, 10. Like, fuck off. Anyway, you know what I'm saying that this people's vote stuff is just another version of a, a kind of propaganda trick. I saw a, a, a debate between Peter Hitchens and <clears throat> is it Andrew Adonis, Lord Adonis or whatever his fucking name is. Um, 
And I guess to give him to give him his due, what he was saying was a second vote is not about you know it it, it is pro democracy because it's it's giving the people the say on something which is being decided by a minority government effectively and it's only right that they get to decide the final say on something so dramatic right okay so there's a, a steel man for that and there's a, there's something to be said for that but the problem with that to me is that what's actually going to be on the the voting ticket what are the choices that we're going to be given and that's why is it then that the people who are calling for a people's vote are all dressed in pro-European garb if if what they're doing is really just pro-democracy? It's not pro-Europe. What they want is to give the people a chance to say what they what 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 they should be allowed to say. Why is it then that that's coming cloaked in the European flag? Why is it that everyone's got their face painted with the European flag? And I don't see any Leave voters who are who are asking for the same thing. <clears throat> so that's very revealing to me, and it seems to me that most people are quite happy to have it between a choice between Theresa May's sort of watered-down soft Brexit, which nobody wants anyway, and reversal of the Leave vote. That's what the choice is going to be. So it just seems that whatever the the outcome of this, it's, it's an attempt to reverse a historic decision. I mean, apparently, I don't know if, the, I haven't checked out the stats on it, but apparently more people voted for Brexit than anybody's voted for anything in the UK ever. So my point about this is not to just go into the same old argument again. My point is, is that I think we have to find some way of getting out of the impasse. And we need to start, there's something gone, we, it used to be that people would automatically go, say, okay, we don't want to go down this route of just a standoff but I think it, I think it's because the people who who are the losers in this vote, this, who are the establishment, are so used to getting their own way that they they go in an absolute strop when they don't, and that's what's happened with Trump in America and the Democrats and the media class. Is that they're just they're so affronted that there are people who don't think like them. That there's an opposite point of view. Now you have a right to be angry about what you feel is you know matters of justice and civil rights. And if you feel that they're under threat, but you have to be able to absolutely show that they're under threat, first of all. But also you have to be able to see that maybe there are other reasons other than you uh, hating your virtuous idea of justice, that people would vote for certain things. And it's the same with Brexit. It's the, the people who were so comfortable in the status quo, and, and, I, and it, goes, I, it really goes back to this idea of propaganda and the status quo and virtue signaling. The, the language of the counterculture of the 60s and the language of um, civil rights and social progress has been turned into a propaganda technique for the status quo. So what we got after the counterculture was not um, a true revolution. What we got was a new class in charge. And they're the kind of um, upper middle management class, the 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 PR workers and the um, advertising executives and <clears throat> uh, computer science geeks, uh, Silicon Valley. This is the new aristocracy. 
and how they maintained their status was a little bit, it reminds me of, I'm not making a direct comparison because they're not violent in the same way, but a little bit like the, the imams in, in Iran always going on about the revolution. <clears throat> so that anyone that criticized them or anyone that was attacking them or anyone that wanted to oppose them was hated the revolution, was an effectively a reactionary. This is always what happens with revolutionaries. Um, and this is what we've got now, is that they, they're basically saying that anyone who's against us must be uh, a grey-haired uh, reactionary um, Tory, you know. And it's, it's a very archaic um, caricature that no longer exists. And I feel that that's what it all comes down to, is that it's... Um, they're just stepping. They're just stepping up the stakes on their propaganda techniques, and they haven't learned anything. Whereas the real, the real way out of this is to find some way of of is to find some diplomatic solution where both sides seem to be like. If there was a, a promise of, I think there would be a big change if um, there was a promise of reform in some way, and that both sides could come together on that. You know, if the EU said, okay we'll give you a kind of Norway deal where you get to you get to put a certain kind of limit on certain kinds of immigration on related to certain kinds of jobs, low skilled for instance. While at the same time you guarantee that, you know, you're committed to uh, free movement on a on a kind of other level of, you know, in in the kind of spirit of it. You know, and if, you, if certain companies are committed to bringing highly skilled workers from different parts of the Europe into London and what, all that, or if there was some kind of promise from the EU about investment in parts of the of of the EU that are not benefiting from this kind of mass army of workers that are willing to work low wage, if there was some kind of investment plan or you know th and there's just been nothing of that and that to me is really frustrating and I can I can sort of see it from the other side that <clears throat> you know I've got friends who are saying it, it just feels like they're having it shoved down their throat that they're not their their whole world view is being shat upon but both sides are feeling like that so is there some way that we can we, we can come to an agreement on this but the fact is is that None of this has any relevance to the establishment. The establishment are very happy to have money rise to the top uh, in such a way that and and to convince everybody else that they're free and that it's for their own good. And that's what the whole system of technocracy does. Um, it's fake democracy with a kind of cream of of elitist technocrats on the top, and. The, the real engine of it is just propaganda and marketing and, and, and giving people the illusion of choice, even as they watch their communities decimated. So, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know what the, the answer is, but I just think surely we are mature enough and smart enough to find some way out of this. But it seems to me that the, the the way that the establishment behave is in this very petulant, childish way. And that is indicative of the fact that they're so convinced of their own moral virtue that it, it's an affront to them to even think of the word compromise. And that is immature. And it, and it, and it says a lot to me. It says a lot to me about how they think of themselves, how they think of, 
other, you know, the mass voters that voted against their view of the of the economy. And I'm not. I, I, it's probably pretty clear to you. I'm not talking about this from the, the point of economic expertise, but I am talking about it from the point of view of citizenship and 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 a more kind of philosophical view of what it means to be a citizen in a free society. And also just a simple view about what it means to be a democratic citizen, you know? And that's what it comes down to for me. Anyway, I'm not I'm not going to dwell on it because it's just, it's not very interesting, but it just, it's, it's so frustrating and it's difficult for me to put into words, but to watch this technique of um, doublespeak. Oh, God, I wish I could find that Orwell quote because it would help me articulate what I'm trying to say. Um, let me find it here. Something in it. It's from Politics in the English Language. And it's Let me just see here. Thus, political language has to consist largely of euphemism, question-begging, and sheer cloudy vagueness. great enemy of clear language is insincerity. When there is a gap between one's real and one's declared aims, one turns, as it were, instinctively to long words and exhausted innumes, like like a cuttlefish spurting out ink. <laughs> uh, I can't find the, 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 the actual quote that I want, though. It's, it's irritating. Sorry, I know this is it's like dead air right now, but it's important. Here we go, I think this is... Oh God, it's just, again, it's just... Oh, I don't know. <clears throat> I can't be bothered raking through all this. I have been um, trying to push through. I, I mean, I actually, at the moment, I'm, I feel like I've taken on a few new things and I've, I've kind of stepped up stuff a bit to get out of the, the gloom of the culture. It's a, a common theme of the podcast. I talk about it all the time. But basically this feeling that <clears throat> there's too much culture that... In order to be, a, it's almost like that article that came out a few months ago about China and how they, how they, it's a new form of censorship by basically overloading the populace 
with a choice of information so that nobody's informed at all about anything because nobody knows what to believe. Rather than censoring it through limiting information, you overload and bombard people. Now, for a long time, even for like the last 10 or 12 years, I've thought that that's the technique of modern society, but we're really living in it now where... And, but the, it's not even just political censorship. It's... it's um, <clears throat> It's all forms of art and all forms of creativity. We've got to that stage where there's so. I mean, I, I would imagine people who are anybody in any creative industry now. You, if you were a graphic designer or a painter, you're probably thinking the same thing. Um. Oh, here we go. Political language is designed to make lies sound truthful and murder respectable and to give appearance of solidity to pure wind. That's that's the quote I'm going for. And I think that that's exactly what the people's vote is all about. It's um it's it's just an outburst of status quoism. And if people were really interested in in, in finding a solution, or if they were really interested in finding some kind of um, truly political agreement which would secure their anxieties. You know, I'm, and I'm saying this, I'm trying to be as diplomatic as possible here. I completely recognise that there are certain things that people on, on the Remain side um, have worries about. But if until it stops becoming this just blast of virtue signalling and blast of or um, self-elevation and thereby a kind of um, casting of aspersions on anyone that disagrees with them, we're not going to get anywhere. And I think this is the same issue with uh, Trump in America, is that the way that um, it's framed in terms of a people's vote implies that anyone who's against it is is a fascist, basically. That's what they're trying to say. That's actually what they are trying to say, and that's the subtext of it. This is a people's vote, and if you disagree with it, therefore you are... All the while, they're the ones that are completely sub wanting to subvert a democratic vote that they didn't agree with, you know? And I'm not saying that to be a hardliner. I'm actually saying that that I, I recognise that there might be certain specific issues that are worth negotiating on and that we can't keep going as an impasse. But until it becomes a gracious coming to the table where we each go, well... Let's put aside leave versus Brexit. Let's say, what are your concerns? What are the things that you value about the way you voted that you want to maintain? And what's the other side feel the same way about? And can can we try and find some agreement on specific issues like the Irish border, like free movement of people, like, um, like you know, the idea of being a European citizen versus the idea of... of of historic British constitution. Is there any way that we can have decent public discussion about actual particulars and the values that people feel are under threat either way from whatever side? So that would be my biggest critique of the people's vote then, is that it's not specific. And in its, and in its lack of specificity, as Orwell said, it's very damaging and can actually... And actually become, becomes the very thing it claims it's not being, which is an enemy of democracy. Because if, if you keep things vague, then you can you can paste your the other side as basically 
not just wrong, but a moral enemy. And therefore, you don't have to make an argument. You don't have to win through due process. You don't have to win through democracy. You just get to, to you get, basically what they're trying to say is that this isn't, it's like, we need emergency powers, we need emergency reaction, because this is an emergency. As long as people keep saying that, then things are only going to get worse. So I would be willing, for instance, to, to, to have discussions with people about this if you, if you were wanting to talk about specific things they feel are under threat and why they value those specific things. I'm wanting, I want to hear that, in fact. I actually do want to hear that. What I don't want to hear is a kind of hysterical tantrum outburst from either side, but particularly from the Remain side, because that's all that we're getting, even two years after the fact. <sighs> Part of me wants to write about that, and maybe, and maybe that's what I'll focus on. I'll try and write a piece by the end of the week on, on the fact that it's it. What we're not getting is let me write that down. What we're not getting is a, a specific list of, of certain things because the, the the reason why we're not getting that is because they don't because that would be too much of a concession. Effectively, that would be too much of giving. That would give away too much ground. It wouldn't. It wouldn't because they want the they want their own way, rather than which shows to me that it isn't really about the values. It's not a, nothing to do with about what it means to be European. It's got nothing to do with free movement of people. Really, it's got nothing to do with um, maintaining the economy and prosperity and all that crap. What it's got to do about is just winning, and that's not only sad and depressing. It's really dangerous. It's really dangerous, and it's exactly what people criticise Trump for, but they're behaving in exactly the same way. Uh, so, yeah, well, anyway, let me just write that down. I'll get back to the point I was making about culture. about winning. That's essentially what I'm going for. <clears throat> and that proves to me that it's it's a propaganda thing in, in favour of the establishment, because if it was really about democracy and it was really about, you know, if you think about the great protests, this is the, this is the difference between modern protests, and I include the fucking numpties that you get in Black Lives Matter. Not all of it. I understand there are real issues there, but there are a lot of people who are just... There's no specificity to it. There's no list of demands. There's no... It's just about protest for protest's sake as if that's inherently a virtue. And it's not. It's not. Um, the civil rights movement was driven by very specific demands in the face of very specific threats that could be listed very easily on a piece of paper. Um. It was clear what the enemy was. There was certain specific laws and certain specific practices that needed to be rooted out. That's not what we've got now. And, and it, if people were coming with that mentality, I'd have more, more sympathy for it. 
but they're not. They're just coming with this. It feels like you're... Be- Whenever I go past these people in, in Westminster, it feels like you're being blasted over the head with with their virtue. And this, I, I can't put into words what it is. There's something just very dangerous about that. There's something really worrying about it because it's slightly hypnotised. It's and I, it's ideological, I guess, is, is what I mean. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, it's ideological. It's not actually based on substance or, or, or a genuine desire to make society better. It's based on a kind of cultish hysteria. And I'm, you know, and, and if and if people wanted to point that about about my side, quote unquote, believers, I would willingly accept it because I'm against all forms of ideological delusionalism. Anyway, to get back to the point about culture, the way I the way to get through this feeling of being overwhelmed, <coughs> of being in a kind of bombardment culture, the only way I found actually is to ignore it, <coughs> and also to get to the, the the only reason that it would make you feel depressed is if you were still attached to an idea of success, which is very tenuous anyway. We have been spoiled with an idea of success in, in the last 25 years that, you know, that we can all become independent entrepreneurs, that we can, that there's, there's some way that we can turn, quote unquote, our passion into a business and all that crap. You can't necessarily, and very rarely do people do that. And actually, the people who you would say are really successful, quote unquote, from history, really great people, greatness. I mean, I'm talking people like Churchill and Martin Luther King and um, those kind of guys, Gandhi, um, you know, the great philosophers. The defining feature of their success was their preparedness to suffer and to be laughed at, scorned, ignored. Most of them were ignored in their own lifetime. Um... Most of them were poor in their own lifetime. <clears throat> so actually all this bombardment culture, all this feeling of like, you know, when I go into town and there's like 300 buskers everywhere I go and I think, what's my, what's the point of me being here? What, what's the point of me doing? That's because I'm comparing myself to a whole system that has absolutely nothing to do with me. You know, those people do what they do for their own reasons. But I would only feel disgruntled by that if I felt I wanted to be successful now and I wanted money now and I wanted fame now and I wanted power now. That's the only reason that would bother me. If you've got a broader vision about your place in history, none of that's going to matter because you see all the all that kind of yuppieism as ephemeral and material and um, kind of concerned in a very, in a, a very narrow view of what success is. <clears throat> most of it's going to burn off. Most people get forgotten. And it, most of the time, what's valuable to aim for is an uphill struggle. And it's the uphill struggle that matters. I'm becoming very existential about this now. It's like the actual pushing of the, the rock up the hill is all that matters. And everything else is not within your control anyway. So... 
we have to learn to get we have to learn to be able to get meaning from the from the act itself from the and also to be able to shut out the noise and it it's a good one to be able to say to yourself actually all this stuff that makes me feel insecure or i feel overwhelmed by all this bombardment all this sort of saturated culture is is concerned with the whole set of values that are mean nothing to me anyway so it's worth ignoring it's actively worth ignoring it's not it's not your business it's not your it, it's not for you to worry about <clears throat> so that's where my head is at with that um but it's hard it is hard to to stay in the game and ignore all the other shit but i think the key is to remember that all of that saturation is driven by the same value system that's driving driving the financial markets or driving MTV. It's all a value system that has nothing to do with true art and true culture. Because true art and true culture are matters of what's going to happen 200 years from now. Are you leaving some kind of body of work that will be a resource to a 13-year-old kid in 200 years' time sitting in a classroom bored off their skull but you with your piece of art can save them from boredom and nihilism and give them some kind of sense of their own self-determining meaningful purpose because that's what rock and roll did for me rock and roll makes you Rock and roll gives you a confidence in your own experience versus what everyone else is telling you to think. That's what rock and roll did for me. There's something inherent in the very individuality and subjectivity and defiance of the art form itself that affirms the individual conscience versus the mob. And... That, to me, is what it's all about. and I, None of that is satisfied by being part of the cool group. None of that is satisfied by being famous. None of that is satisfied by being rich. None of that is satisfied even by being noticed. It's only satisfied in the doing, you know? That's, the, that's something, I mean, I'm talking out loud here and trying to remind myself that every time I go out and busk in Trafalgar Square and no one gives a shit, and maybe I get three or four quid in the space of an hour because I'm singing all these songs and I'm not particularly elaborate guitar player, I'm not impressing anyone, put it like that. That's the, that's the point. That's success, because I'm still standing there. And that, to me, was always what rock and roll was about. I'm still standing here, and it's got nothing. Whatever you tell me I am, you are wrong, even if you're right. Okay, I'm going to leave it there because I've got quite a lot to do. So sorry this is a bit rambling today and it wasn't very organised, but I didn't really have a chance to sit down and collect my thoughts today. I've got loads of work on that I'm a bit anxious about. But hopefully it wasn't completely meaningless. But uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna keep developing this idea of, of what annoys me about this people's vote. Brexit shit and it's it's not that I'm not open to the other side it's just that the way it is the way it comes at you the way it's delivered the the whole presumptuousness of it is 
doesn't allow for discussion. There you go. It doesn't allow for an open discussion. And I would actually say that the Leave voters are better for that, despite what people say, that there is actually an openness on the, on the Leave side where they go, yeah, I voted for this, but you know, let's have a discussion about it. Whereas there is no openness for discussion on the Remain side. It is our way or you're evil. And unless you're going to come with specific issues that you care about, you're basically just revealing the fact that you don't, that you want it to, you want the status quo to remain. You're basically, you're basically just saying you're, you're pro status quo. You're not interested in change. You're not interested in, in seeing certain areas of life improve as long as you're all right. It's a kind of I'm all right, Jack kind of argument. That's what I'm getting at. But I realise it's not fully developed and I've kind of just been garbling and rambling about it. But anyway, I'm going to leave it there. Sorry it's really short today, but thanks for listening. I'll be back next week for episode 84. Thanks.